Okay. Uh, okay, so um, we're just going to start by trying to read the um, read, read Rabbi Hanan, um, let's evaluate his arguments in um, in their specificity, and then and then evaluate uh, his overall argument and see what his implications are for as far as he says it. And then what I already you know put it in a different framing, which is about the nature of law. So you can see if you think that that's correct, that the way he frames it is actually a challenge to the whole notion of halakha as law as you ordinarily understand it. I should put a background footnote, right? So yeah, everybody at some point is simply at some point heard of Chaim Seyman's book, which goes through some of the basic challenges to halakha as law. It's called halakha. If you haven't heard of it, you're now, you've now heard of Professor Seyman's book. Um, and that's, uh, right, that's if you, have, if you haven't started thinking about those issues, then that's certainly an excellent introduction. If you have started thinking about it, then it's an excellent in the second chapter. So. <laughs> um, I don't have Professor Saban scheduled this summer. Maybe there'll be something that will be worth um, bringing in. It's usually very generous. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, we have a volunteer to read. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, I don't think it's a translator. Yeah. Good check. Good check. Okay, does it change anything? No. Sorry, Lexi? I can't really hear other people. Ah, okay. Well, I'll that's the best I can do. We'll try microphones tomorrow, but for now, okay. So everyone, everyone should shout. Okay. Okay. Smarnatha said that, they, that this is not actually a quote, and she is correct about this. That she also says it doesn't matter, which. Um, okay. So, right. So, good. You should definitely look up every Akron's quote, let alone my. Uh, reformatting of every after Does it say Shalom in Excellent. He's not, he doesn't have any manuscripts. <laughs> okay, fine. As for Mahlon, I haven't said the right bit. Okay, right. Just generally, when I format, I try and put the the the, the places where the nested quotes in a different typeface, and the uh, or the Rashi's in a different typeface, and the Tanitic sources in bold, and the uh, the Amoraic sources underlined, and the Psukim italicized. Mm -hmm. But I'm not reliable because this is done very rapidly, so you should check it. But it's a way of just and all the footnoting and all the all the paragraphing and and punctuation is mine too, so all that should be questioned when necessary. Yeah. Okay. So Bezinachin the Anshin Shalom in Hadin, where it's where you said that the original text is Shalom in Hatura, uh, which could I guess make could make a difference. Um, okay, go ahead. So so Alma Yesh Koach Biyakachanim Lakor. He doesn't say Biyak, right? Lachachanim Lakor Bekum Vasei. So what does that mean? Like, what's the proof? What's the proof? What's the uh, conclusion? Hmm. Okay. So there are a couple of things there. One is to say not explicit in the Torah. 
right? So that fits the Shulam Torah, I guess. But what about does that does that uh, does that mean that let's say if you derive things from a drasha that this is the same case? I would assume that's saying whatever. Explicit halacha. Is it, what does the word explicit mean there? No. Not in. <laughs> uh, so if you if you gave somebody lashes as a result of implicit halacha, that would be right. That wouldn't be part of this. Aha. So I'm just, I'm just because it's against halacha, or because it's wrong, or because it's a good idea to give people lashes, whether or not it's wrong. But you say they can give you lashes, you know, it's not, it's not right, you know, it's not in the halacha. So there's three possibilities. They can give you lashes, you know, it's not explicitly in halacha, but really it is the halacha. They can give you lashes, um, they can give you lashes, even though it's not, it's not in the halacha, but it's wrong. We can give you lashes for things that are wrong, even if they're halacha, or it's not wrong, it's not in halacha, but it's a good public example to give you lashes anyway, or we enjoy it. The second option, but some, right, so it's it's wrong sometimes, and we choose. Aha. Okay, so it's it's not halakha, implicit or explicit. It's just not halakha, right? So there's no law against it, but it's wrong, and when it's wrong, then we punish you. Uh, now, how is that? So now we say So you said that meant to make things usher that are mutter. So what did you say that meant? They can punish you even when the Torah says it's mutter. Okay, Sparmachla is going to say that it means even though right, so I think that's right. Right. The, the, the proof is for a general principle that because that tells you the Torah, that the Torah can tell the agent of Beitin to go strike you even though striking somebody is a violation of halacha. Okay, good, right? So you can modify it, right? That the right that it, that right. Maybe it's not true that it's things that aren't usher. Maybe it's things that are usher but don't carry this punishment. Okay, we can't prove it. It's, an, it's sufficient to prove the thesis that the Chaman can tell you to do something which, if they didn't tell you to do it, would be would be mamish aser. Thank you. Okay, aser diaresa. Uh, we get yeah. just other things that aren't even aser diarabanan. Though, like in the Gemara itself, it gives an example of like a man who is having sex with his wife publicly, which I don't think is even an aser diarabanan. Um, but they just, they said they like la lashed him because they didn't think that was a good thing for people to be doing. Okay. So that makes sense. Writing horse on Shabbos may, you know, may only have become usher because of the story. Although it's usher, right, it's usher in the Book of Jubilees, right? It's the example of violating Shabbos in the Book of Jubilees. And Alicia, Alicia, he was riding a horse for a donkey, I don't remember. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, I agree with you that the, the narrow argument, right? All we need is a narrow claim that. Worse other people? Uh, I empower, I think, is right. I, I wouldn't go so far as to as to say coerce. Right, but the question is like, I mean, he doesn't address like ten things in the course of uh, of course, you know, what somebody else would do for not whipping somebody else. Right? So we get, we get an endless, uh, endless cycle of uh, things like that. Okay, so narrowly, but narrowly, I think we should take narrowly. The Gemara says that uh, based on cases, right? We've seen that we've introduced those cases. Rabbanan leaves out that there are circumstances where, absent a decree of Beitin, which is what we say here, Beitin. We, we haven't talked about what kind of Beitin, which Beitin, anything like that, right? But there's some. There exists some basin in the world such that there exists some person in the world whom it would be forbidden to punish, right? To be makebe onesh, and we don't know what, right? Whether that's handiades or two separate things, uh, right? Um, where it would be usher deoraisa, right? We have shlomina Torah, right? And shlomina din means it would be, right? We don't know. We don't know if that, if that changes it or not. It would be usher to do these things to them and because, right? And and Beitin tells you go do those things anyway, and now um, and Beitin's action is treated as legal. It's referring to the thing that you do as Beitin, as opposed to being passive. Beitin tells you to actively violate the Torah. It's a given that Beitin can tell you to not do a mitzvah, right? That's the other. That's Lulav on Shabbos and and Shofar on Shabbos. The question in the company is there is whether Bateson can even tell you to do things which are other active violations of the term de right? So that's right. So to, to violate the Kumase is to violate, right? It's to violate active. No, it's a lot core, but to uproot it actively. They're not doing it themselves. Yeah. So, And the power at least to allow somebody else to execute the guy. Sure. Uh, do you think Elio couldn't have told somebody else to bring the sacrifice? Okay, I'm not going to bracket that. Okay. okay. So, as the Gemara answers um, um, at the end of the sugya of Beitin Naki Velenshu Shalom Nadin, but not in response to this right to, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? The, the end of the sugya of Naki Velenshu Shalom Nadin, the Gemara gives the answer to Jamil Sashani twice, I think. Right. 
Right. Okay. But at some point in that sugya, at some point in that sugya. Uh, oh, so why did you say that was? I thought you said that wasn't exactly. It is the exact quote. Uh, I see. Okay. Okay, so Megdam Il Sashani is a right is a challenging answer because Megdam Il Sashani just means of course he is Kuyush Kafi at the time of Lakar Dun Natara in these specific cases. Why isn't making somebody king Migdar Milsa? Aha. Okay. So now you have a definition of Migdar Milsa. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. What does it mean literally? I think it means putting together. Doesn't sound like it needs to build a fence around. It sounds like it actually empowers you to do things actively. The building is supposed to the fencing. It's the kind of thing that would be necessary. So I don't know. Maybe Milsa could simply mean like for you know when it when it when it when it matters, right? When right when when there's a real social purpose, you know. So you might think that rabbis had the right to. Just beat people up for fun, so we can take everyone's money and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but instead, no, right? We can only beat people up for we can only beat people up for good social purposes and not right and not for fun. So okay, so we should look at Migdar, Migdar, right? Let's start. Let's start with that, right? What is? Did anybody look it up? Anybody look it up? No. All right, so we all failed. Um, if Emma were here, she would be angry with us. I'm dying the dress. So he used to be a precarious. This just true. I, I do remember this transfer of my childhood history. I've never seen a dress They were all in two volumes. The one volume dress room is like one of these great technological achievements. The binding has to be really strong. Well, that one is perhaps it was a failed technology. The Ezel of his day. You can all look it up at the same time. Well, you know, I was using the technology. But, um, what does Gajar mean? To cut, to harvest dates, that's what exciting. <laughs> to roll, to surround with a fence, to limit, control, ward off. That, that seems to be, uh, that seems to be the, also to cut into. Uh, so it could be to ward off some damage, some, right? So he translates, gesture translates it, a measure to check something, an extraordinary measure for checking lawlessness. Yeah, so he does, yes. right? So it's to build a, it's, it's to stand a stop, uh, to stand, uh, stand a thwart, uh, thwart the history shouting stop. Um, okay. Um, 
let's grant that the purpose of the move of saying Midar Mil Sashani in the Gemara is to claim that it's not a it's not a fundam, it's not fundamentally in the nature of rabbis that they have the power they have power over people's bodies. Right? Uh, the way it is perhaps the, in the, the nature they have power over money. Um, but it isn't right, but it's in the nature uh, right, that whoever has responsibility has to be able to take extraordinary measures or the turtle at some point will collapse, right? Which is why the VM can engage in a rush, um, right? And the king can do whatever the king needs to do, right? So this is just, this is not a rabbinic power. This is just a, right? This is just a, uh, an, emerg an emergency power, right? I think that's probably the simplest way of limiting it, right? You might think that it's just, there really are no limitations on rabbinic power. Uh, obviously, they have to use it in good faith. Otherwise, right, you lose your status as rabbi. They put one of my favorite things is um, that the, as opposed to Rabbi Khan, the Kazanish holds that any basin of any three men can overturn all of Midr Kalatha. Um, because if you read the Ramah carefully, it just says any basin that wants a darshan in its own, in its own, can do that. Doesn't they make the Um So Rabbi Khan holds. Obviously, it's big and the Chazanish says, no, why? Um, when I was a young and radical, I used to walk into my shirt at Penn and, you know, and say, okay, like, which one are we doing today? <laughs> uh, you know, just see, like, who's most aware? But the Chazanish then says, but anybody who would think that they could do Midrash Halakha in a way better than Chazal is so arrogant as to be a kofir, and a kofir is an eligible Ben so therefore, any bacon which actually attempts to do this uh, does the right will will be cut right will be will be But nonetheless, um, uh, well, so that's not clear, right? But it, you know, what it, they would have to claim Migdar Milsa, and then right somebody. Right, so that's why I wanted to leave out the Minha Torah thing, because Makas Mardus, it might be that it might be that everyone agrees that rabbis have the authority to make laws and to punish for those laws, and that's not the same thing. That's not being okra Minha Torah Bakum Vase. That's just part of rabbinic powers. You get punished for violation of laws. Even so the question is, you know, we'll get into you know, we'll get into the equivalent of vagrancy laws. Right, you know, are there are there laws that rabbis can make that are unconstitutional because they're like, right they're, because they're, there's no way to avoid violating them because they're too discretionary. Maybe, and maybe there's a third category of things that we really gushed on it. We should have made a law against that, right? I think that's what Rav Magid and Makadish Revia is. 
but we're afraid if we make a law against it, then it will become mentionable, right? So there's certain things like that is best not to have a law against because that way it's just unthinkable. And then when somebody does it, now you have to make a law against it because it's thinkable already. Yeah, but you don't because you don't have to make a law against it. It's like okay, you know, if we. No, here's very low tova shmuel is a different thing. I think it's bad that Okay, good. So we had right. So part of our question is whether Migdal Nilsa Shani is a useful answer. Right, everybody, right, because everybody can always respond by saying, "I didn't let me get real stuff. Something bad was going to happen." Right, so we, right, do we give? Right, so we, if we were running a legal system, we'd have to ask the question: Can you sue a Beitin for having somebody beat you up? And if you can, right, and if you can sue the Beitin, right, for damages, right, because now you're right, because that, right. So what's the evidentiary standard, right? Okay. Okay. Good. Also, the fact that Migdar Meltoshane is this nebulous thing, I feel like, is part of why we articulate this as being Dafka, something that can be a terutz for why the bait dean is able to do something, but that that, like, especially in in this, he makes clear that that's a terutz for the bait dean and not the reasons for individuals being able to do some of these things, right? Not that it's impossible for the bait dean to abuse that power and to make that claim when it maybe wasn't justifiable, but it's less likely to be abused than if we said this like Migdar Milta Shane means that like anybody can has the power to say, oh, it's Migdar Milta, that like Dafka, that's a decision that a bait dean can make. But he ends up concluding that Teiruts is only like, you know, applicable to the specific thing about the bait dean, you know, not just like a general principle. Um, interesting. So let's see if that holds up. Okay, that's actually what I want to talk about. So let's see if that holds up. <laughs> um, okay, so... We have our Gemara, right? That's our base. Our base. Our base starting point is that the Gemara wants to know what, what wants to prove that Beitin has fundamentally unlimited authority to right to overcome Torah. Uh, right? I, I said Rabbi, that's not quite fair, right? right as Lexi said, right? Beitin has the authority uh, essentially to overturn all of Torah law, and the answer is yes, but only living Milsa. and we don't know what the standard of Milsa is. We don't know. If that is a discretionary standard which imposes a standard of integrity on yourself, or if it's actually an accountability standard that you can walk up to Beitin afterwards and say you shouldn't have done that, and now you have to pay. But it's also it's also Maybe they can only punish. Maybe they can only punish according to, in the specific fat manners that the Torah, right? That the Torah allows punishment. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Okay, good. Let's right. Let's move on a little bit. Okay, or or, or just uh, maybe just to kind of I don't know chime in, but the Gemara in Yevama that talks about Migdar Milta, like the example is uh, Eliyahu and Har Carmel. Like it, it was like if you if you like went. 
to any, I don't know, objective figure and you said, oh, you know, what if most of the Jewish people worshiping Baal and they were killing Nevi'e Hashem? They'd be like, yeah, that's Megdar Milta. It's like not a big question. I guess, so, right? according to that version, right? Although the Ramam does not quote it as Megdar Milta. The Ramam quotes it, the Ramam quotes it as just a very lishma. But the Gemara quotes it as Megdar Milta. Right? So Leon Avidar Carmel is a good example. And, you know, I always use it as an example of like one that has very ambivalent results, right? Because it works great in the moment. The next day, Ezevel is out chasing him again, and it makes no difference. And for the rest of Nevi'im, we can't stop Jews from worshiping from worshiping at Bamos, from sacrificing at Bamos. Because every time, I think, or right, every time somebody, right, you know, some king gets up and says, "You can't worship at Bamos." Elio and Avi, right there in our Carmel, he's what a Corbin. You're telling me I can't, right? So I think that it was actually a very risky move, and I'm not sure it worked. Uh, I think that's the simplest explanation for why. We can right why nobody can get rid of uh, sacrificing on Bamos because right, but that's true, it doesn't say that, but yeah, that's but it's reasonable, yeah, that makes it even more right, hard to say, right? It was us, it was Mutter in the Torah, right? But it's us, but it's us or now, but not really, they could. That's true. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't like the kind of action. I'm just pointing out that saying that the circumstance required emergency measures doesn't mean that all emergency measures are wise. Right? You know, if you said everybody's worshiping Baal, what we're going to do is we're going to legalize adultery. That way, our religion will be more popular than Baal's religion, which still bans adultery. <laughs> and, and that, we could do that. That might be much more effective than Elio and Elvis. On the other hand, it would be very hard to get people to stop doing adultery afterwards. <laughs> Right, right, so they have the same kind of consequences. You just have to figure out what the uh, right, what the consequences, what what consequences you're willing to live with. Yeah. Right, it could be, and it could be that what you know that all Baton is is a uh, a liability shield, right? That is, that Baton itself might be accountable, might not be, but if you're acting on the basis of a duly constituted Baton, you can't be liable, right? Baton makes it mutter for you to hit the person. Doesn't mean that Baton, it was mutter for Baton to, to let you hurt hit the person. It just means that it's mutter for you to hit the person because Baton told you to. And when Baton says this is Lamigdar Milsa, you're allowed to follow him. Well, another baiting might, right? Then we get the whole question of authority, right? You know, they make this law that they can, and then they, then can they do it for themselves? Yeah, but then they'll be liable as baiting, not as their not as their own agents, right? It's just, yeah, I think you could do that, but that that doesn't matter very much. What matters to us is right is that is right is do when somebody orders me to, when somebody when baiting orders me to do something illegal, right? What are my responsibilities? And so the answer is my responsibility as long as their order appears superficially reasonable. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about liability. Baitin told me to do it, and I'm allowed. And I'm allowed to follow even obviously illegal orders, as long as it's if there's a plausible case that it's an emergency. Yeah. Well, that's how they decide. But as I point out, Baitin has to decide based on utility. But you, if a Baitin tells you go do this, you don't have to decide based on utility. You can decide. You can give them enormous deference, and you can say as long as there's a plausible 
a plausible way in which this could lead to a utility, and then I'm allowed to follow Beitin. It's Beitin's responsibility if right if it goes wrong. Well, So if we were writing the we were writing the, regu- the regulation, right? The problem is right, we Halakha often doesn't have regulations, it often just has laws. And right, we right, we have an administrative state, laws require regulation. So it might be that you know that we could then put in a regular uh, administrative law requirement for Baitin to tell somebody to do something that is Milsa. They have to explicitly state the reasons for which they're being made Milsa. And you as a party, you have to decide your responsibility on your own is to decide. That is a not that this is Lamedra Milsa, but that a rational person could conclude that this is Lamedra Milsa. Yeah, we do have a very, we have, we, we do have a very interesting, yeah, interesting. Um, interesting. Mary, did you not finish? Let's get there. Okay. Let's get there. Okay. So now, Rebbe Lachlan does one of these you know, complicated nested, uh, right? Nested arguments. So you have to write following his logic. It's not linear. You have to, yeah, right. You have to go in. So he says, he, right? He says, let's take a, let's take a look at the um, Gemara in Ksuvah. Gemara Ksuvah says, the lav the chovel chutzer mifolo bevezin shemalkin es shemalkin malkos. Okay. So it's fine. You want to explain that? Um, you think that's what it means? Okay, anybody else have an explanation of what that Gemara means? What is what is what is the trying to prove when it says love the chovel who to make the best in Shemalkia Samakuya? Uh-huh. Okay. So what is it trying to prove? Well, not really hurting people. It's hard. Like, you know, it's painful. Okay. Okay. So... That's not what this thing is really about. This thing is just is about trying to see whether you can learn things from right, learn other things from the fact that Beitin can right, Beitin can give you malkos. And the answer is no, because maybe because Beitin, right, we're just we're in we're in the, we're in the world, because Beitin, right, because um, living people is something that is already mutter. It doesn't, it doesn't right? There's already a case in which is means There's a case in the category where Beitin can do this, and therefore the fact, right, therefore you can't derive from this to other kinds of cases because this law is the kind of thing that we know Beitin can permit, whereas the other thing is not the kind of thing we know Beitin can permit. But it still permit. means Beitin can help you. I guess, but that's not what the interest is. Okay, but still saying Beitin Okay. That's the point. I think is actually the, the um, 
Right, the, the Gemara is talking about Chavala, not even by Beit, the Gemara is talking about generally. And the Gemara says, that, right, that we're talking about whether you pay money and, right, and get punished at the same time. The Gemara says, no, right, because right, Chavala is not, is not the same thing as other kinds of things you do to people, right, as other kinds of Bissurim, because Chavala is Chutra Mikhalo. There are cases where it's legal to, where it's legal to harm people. The Rahana says, why does the Gemara quite quote the example of Makin Ve'un Shalom and Hadin to prove that Chavala is Chutra Mikhalo? We have exciting other cases where you don't have to even go to Beit which might be different, right? It's much, it's much better for our purposes. We're trying to prove something about private composition. Much better for our purposes that we can find private cases of one person if they have another person, mm-hmm. right? And we have two cases of that. Parents are allowed to be children and teachers are allowed or required to be, uh, to be students. We don't pass that way anymore, sadly. <laughs> but uh, I was loving pretty much, it's, um, it's, uh, who, who is it? Um, Rav, um, Rav Dessler. Rav Dessler still has a, a letter in which he encourages the random, uh, random striking of students in order to instill proper atmosphere of intimidation in the classroom. Hmm. Uh, and really, this was not this was pretty standard until about 15 years ago, when Rafi Finkelman published a, a front page essay in the Jewish Observer saying that corporal punishment should no longer be used in Haredi schools. An enormous thing, and, and it created a sea change in social, which hadn't already gotten there. But lehalacha. We still get okay. The halakha, right? Yeah, right, right. So, you know, that's. Uh, I think. I think. It, I think in America now, even those people advocate for 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 um, corporal punishment, still think it should be used as punishment. Right, the notion of just randomly creating an atmosphere of intimidation that really doesn't have any kind of. Uh, but I know if you never do it, people won't believe it. Many people, like in the, I guess, more. Yeah, yeah, this is a cultural thing. Uh, this is a cultural thing, but okay. But, so he thinks, look, there are cases where you can do something, right, which is called, which which would otherwise be called chavala, but halacha permits it, right? It permits it, but it permits, it permits um, things that would otherwise be chavala for parents and for uh, um, and for teachers. And also, as Paramahansa points out, also circumcision. Okay, so at this point, that's circumcision. No, none of them are these are these are right. Have to be from, but there are derisive cases, right? The the prohibition, right? The prohibition against uh, against wounding is not a deontological uh, prohibition, right? It, right, it depends, sometimes what and sometimes not. Okay, so what she says, right? But we can say that no, all those are cases where it's not really wounding because you're doing it for the good of the apparent wounding. Okay, and that's right, and that, um, okay, right, so that, right, so obviously parents are engaging in, are, are engaging in, uh, they're not punishing the child, what they're doing is educating the child, and the same teachers are educating, right, so they're, they're improving, right, they're improving the, the character of the person, uh, which we, we should not hear called the victim, the beneficiary, um, right, by, uh, by doing this, and therefore that's not really Kabbalah. Um, just like Mila is not really is not really Chavala. But then he's right, so, um, right, so that's why those are not good examples of Putra Mikhala, because now we have the general the general um, you know, conceptual move. When do we right, this question of definition?
Okay, let, let's bracket that for now because right now we're in his narrow universe. Okay, in his narrow universe, right? We are doing this, right? But he's, what he's trying to get to is he's right, his, his, um, he says is that, um, his question is, um, why does the Gemara, in order to prove the point about resort to Beitin, which is less analogous to the case he's trying to deal with, which are private, which are private cases? Right, so why does it resort to Beitin instead of resorting to cases where it's permitted for private people to do Kabbalah? should be because there's a case where the Torah allows it. So the answer is that the private cases are not cases where the Torah permits Kabbalah. Those are cases where the Torah defines something as not Kabbalah. Kabbalah is defined as an action done with the intent of wounding. And therefore, he says, at this stage in his argument, so the only the only example the Gemara can use of permitted Chavala is Beitin. Because Beitin does not do it to, to improve, right, to, to improve the, the recipient of the letters. Beitin does it to punish. And therefore, Beitin is a good example of something that is actually Chavala, that is legal, and, right, and therefore you can say Chavala is with the Michlalo, whereas, whereas corporal punishment or is not really, corporal education right, is not really, it's not really an example of permitted Kabbalah is an example thing, which is not Kabbalah. It's a category error to treat it as Kabbalah. The intention is. Well, well yeah, the, the, the intent, what's different about it is what your intention is. One intention, you're, you're intending to benefit the person. In one case, you're intending to wound the person to benefit society. Right, so the answer is that now we're dealing with abstractions, right? What is that? Is wounding for the sake of benefit wounding or is wounding for the sake of benefit something else? Not wounding. Call it, uh, you know, call it whatever word you want. Well, it's um, interesting. Like, we don't get a distinction made here the way that we do um, in the Lashon Hara stuff about, like, he doesn't get deep into the idea of, like, Kavanah versus Toelet, right? The idea of, like, is the main thing that matters in the cases where we say it's not Chavala, um, the fact that you're intending it for a constructive purpose, like, I'm not hitting this person just to hit them spitefully, whatever I'm doing it because I think it'll help them. Is that the only thing that matters? And so long as that's my intent, it's not Havala? Or is it like, there has to be some legitimate backing to me thinking that this will actually help? Like, and in general, we get all these other things like near the end of this that he gives about cases where, you know, oh, you can, you can tran you can be docha this thing if it's helping a person this way. You can like, you know, yell at them if it's tocha, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, is what matters that I have good kavana, or is it about like whether this is likely to actually have a positive impact? So there are really three categories, right? right which uh, I think you had mentioned earlier. There is what's is my intent positive or negative? There is is the person whom I am inflicting this on benefited, and then there is even if the person I am inflicting this on it is not specifically benefit, is there an overall benefit? Right? Those are three separate things. You're right. At this stage, um, at this stage, so far as we can tell, the he, he conflates. You're right. He conflates. The, he assumes that your intent is fulfilled, and it, right. He doesn't tell you what would happen 
if I right, if, right, he doesn't write this place, right? So this, but we don't know, right? If you intended to good, if it turns out to damage, does that mean that you are retrospectively liable? Liable? Right. Are we responsible? Like, is it is it dependent upon like if somebody who hits their kid today, given the like abundance of material on how corporal punishment tends to just mess up children and not actually like make them better behaved is is that still something that could be considered like for their benefit or is that something that's considered like you should be like a reasonable informed person should be aware that this is unlikely to help someone okay so those are standards of evidence right you know right those are standards, right what you know what's of evidence you need to in order to believe that this is actually for your benefit or not right so i think you bracket that because we're not talking Okay, I agree. Okay. Okay, I, I don't need to argue that. Okay, I, I'm grabbing all this, but I also want to bracket it because it's not relevant as our view. We haven't separated intention and results yet. Okay. Okay, well, we're only in Baton. We're only in Baton now. We're only in Baton. Well, teachers can randomly walk up to students and hit them. They can't walk up to random people in the street. Because they're not students. Fine. I was just thinking more about the what I just said is that like the reason I think I said the word is because we're talking about hitting a person, right? So then the question is in both cases is hitting the person. Okay. Okay. Well, you can always again. Those are all evidentiary standard well, questions. Yeah, how do we determine, like, how do we determine yeah. intent? Every crime has every crime is assuming he makes it in show. Okay, we haven't talked about Right. So let's. Okay. Right now we're 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 bracket. Okay. Right. We're 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 assuming that whatever your intent is is fulfilled, so we can judge your intent by the results. Let's, let's frame it that way. Mm -hmm. But the point the point of Rebbechana is to say is the result of the the point of his proof is to claim that since the Gemara only uses the example of Baitun and doesn't use the example of parents and the examples of parents and, and teachers. Therefore, it must be that, uh, it must be that 
Beitin is different because um, because Beitin is a because um, Beitin is actually is actually um, pun- is actually punishing. But then he makes a really clever. When is Beitin punished? Beitin is punishing. Well, he claims when they are punishing for violations of the law that carry such punishment. But when Beitin is not given lunch in Shalomin Beitin's purpose can't be punishment because it wouldn't be justified. But Beitin is not justified by punishment, it's only justified by Migdar Milsa. So punishing for Migdar Milsa should be like educational punishment. Right, it, right, it's justified, it's not justified as punishment for the past, it's only justified for its prospective effect. Pardon? Right. So, no. Right, but now what his argument is, it is that well, now that I just, right, he says, well, I explained that so good by saying that ordinarily baked in punishment. But obviously, ordinarily, right? But he says, but in the case of Makin Onsh and Shalomin Hadin, that is not punishment. That's only justified prospectively. And therefore, the Gemara makes no sense again, because Gemara says Makin Onsh and Shalomin Hadin is an example of, of, right, of Hutter Michlolo, right, in the, in the, in the, in the other Sagi, and it's not, because it's not Kabbalah either. No, or am I getting the logic backwards? Okay, so let's 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 read it inside, right? Let's there's he says let's let's follow the steps inside. Okay, because maybe I'm not maybe I'm not ending up in the right place. So we have a sugya which says makin lunch for shlomo din, and they have midr milsa. Now we say we have a sugya elinaros that says lav hakovel is chutzah mifalo bivezdin, right? Why is shemalkin a hamachui of malchus? Right, so now why do we need Bezdin? We have Avamak Epino and Ravarodis Salmido and Mila. So the answer is no, you couldn't use those examples. You can only use Kabbalah. You can only use Bezdin because those examples aren't Kabbalah. <laughs> okay, so now we see. Now, we said about Beitin Hamalkin that's over, that's not the Take. That's Onshinoso Alavar, Bezer, right? So Lufize, Bezdin Hamakin Shalomin Hadin. So if they're punishing Shalomin Hadin, and Bezek Klaumi, sorry, and Bezek Klaumi Shumakiras Dover Minha Torah. You shouldn't be able to, sorry, it's the first okay, right? You shouldn't be able to prove that Bezin has the, that Bezin has the power to be okra dovminatorah bekuma say from Bezin Makin Lonshulmanadin, because that isn't actually Makira Savarminatara. That's just carrying out the general principle that you're allowed to engage in educational, right? That authority figures can engage in educational corporal punishment. Right? So we don't we don't say that. Parents have the right to suspend the prohibition against Kabbalah. We don't say, oh, look, parents can right? Parents are allowed to punish their children corporally. Therefore, parents can tell you to eat pork. Right? Nobody says that. So we can't say that about parents, or just because parents, right? Just because parents can, right, can, can, um, can, um, right, can engage in Kabbalah, therefore parents can eat pork. Why would we say the same thing about Peyton? Well, there is an assumption here. There's a jump that he makes, which is that like we talked about with the case of like the Talmud and with the with the Ben about like the Nichva being the one who it's like the the Tikkun is intended for them, right? Like mm-hmm. you're feeding your kid or your student because you want to improve them and their behavior. Ergo, I'm not hurting this person because I'm actually just like whatever, hurting them to help them. Whereas in the Beit Dean case, like I'm hurting this person to help the community to help 
our society. It's not as much I'm hurting this person to help them. I'm still kind of, it's still more that I'm punishing this individual. It's just that like, it's for the purpose of helping the larger community. I, I agree that there's an absolute distinction he, he could have made there and said, no, Baitin is different because Baitin, you're, right, you're punishing X to, right, in order to benefit Y. And in the case of Ab and, and Rav, you're, right, you're punishing X to, to benefit X. And he leaves that, he leaves that open. Uh, well, it depends how you decide how you, how you translate Matzil in a Sobin show. Okay. It's a reasonable presumption. Because of the other way around. Yeah, we said the other way around also. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All of a sudden, it's just <laughs> Yeah, well, that's okay. I don't get the, don't get the big theology question. Because they're consequential. You think that that right, those are consequentialists as opposed to yeah. right. But here's 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 what I want. I think there's another. I think Lexi points that he misses something. Um, I think that he's making another. Right, uh, you're right. Another big assumption, which is that um, there's no biblical source for the permission for parents or teachers. Right. If they were, if they were, if they were a source for parents or teachers, we would just say, okay, so right, so now Beitin, which doesn't have a source, is being okra dabiminatora when it tells when it when it does this. So his assumption is that it's not that we, it's not that the exceptions for parents and teachers are sourced. The exceptions for parents and teachers are obvious, and therefore, right, they're obvious because they're derivable from a principle. And therefore, that principle obviously extends to Baker. He could do that, but he doesn't say he never quotes, right? He never quotes anything, right? He, he never justifies the extension of Baker, right? It's just a given. Yeah, Zemil is not interesting. Uh, they don't bring it up. He's the one who brings it so it'd be interesting if you were interested you wanted to argue that Mila is the source for everything, right? Because we allow Mila, therefore we allow it, therefore we allow corporal punishment. Well, but it's so it's so incomparable. Like in Mila, the act itself of the harming whatever is also directly performing the tikkun. And it is also so explicit in the Torah that I feel like it would be incredibly hard to try and derive other cases from it. I agree. I think we should throw Mila. I think we should throw Mila out. But I do. I think that he has to derive Beitin from Av and 
right? Like, so many things to be quite out of context. But, <laughs> uh, the, uh, I think, no, whatever, I'm not going to try. Um, <laughs> I think that he derives Bacon from, from Rav and Av, and he does that because, right, because he thinks that there's a an obvious underlying principle, which is also why I think he thinks that it's defined as not Kabbalah, because he would need a source to say it's Kabbalah, but it's permitted, right? That would require a source, but to say it's just not in the category doesn't require a source. It would make you think it was there in the first place. Could be, or could be, it was just obvious to him. Okay, that's certainly true. Uh, that's certainly true. But I think, I mean, you should correct me. I think my explanation of his logic is, is wrong. I think my argument is that the explanation of his logic is that it's a given for him that Kabbalah with a positive purpose is not actually, well, at least with an educational, a, a, a prospective purpose. It's not actually Kabbalah. And if it's okay for parents, it must be okay for Beit Yeah, could be, could very well be. Could be, and we just have to... Right, so that is an excellent argument, right? Normally, right, outside of Rebbe Khan, we think that the just, when people justify corporal punishment, they justify it as finno. And so in order to use the same logic, we have to say that Beijing has an obligation of finno uh, for the whole community. Yeah, no, right, which doesn't sell it. So the fact that he, the fact that he equates them sounds like he's not. And again, that you're just like Lexi had an opening that he was distinguishing between benefiting. We could distinguish between benefiting the specific, you know, beneficiary, right, and benefiting society. Uh, if you have a second way out, he could claim that no, right, parents and teachers are unique because they have obligations of kinuf, and and Bateson has no such obligation of kinuf, um, but. No, Yeah, but these are not the laws. The whole point is we're talking about mocking the Lord Shalom and There are no laws. We're just doing it for survey. The laws you punish. Right? He already said that this is not punishment for laws. Where did the obligation of Susi Torah come from? Shamarish Vishparti. So that's a specific mitzvah. Okay. Right. So after we have given the shir, you can give the brisker version of our shir, which will explain what I really meant. Okay, uh, I, I had perfectly put it right. I, I didn't quote all the sources, but really, this is specific to car. Absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's easier to claim that Bateson has an obligation that we treat Bateson as having a national obligation of Kinnah. Um, it says an obligation to teach the laws, right? So I could give the brisker shir too, right? With the rub and the sub purposes of an edrin, right? And one of the purposes of an edrin is to be the fount of Tarash Valpen, to educate the population. And so you would have thought that the power of Beitid to punish derives from its judiciary capacity, judicial capacity, but actually it derives from its, uh, right, from its uh, Masoretic capacity. Right, that the, the, right, obviously the job of the Bali Masoret is, to, is, is not just to transmit the Masoret to, them, to each other, but to transmit the Masoret to the general population. 
Well, that's a separate, obviously, that's because of lack of corporal punishment, obviously. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, okay, so that's, so we're, we end up at the line of is he's asking the question, right? He's now asking a question on the first sugi he quoted, right? How could you try to prove that Beitin has the power to override Torah from Makin Vansh Shalom and Adin. And Makin Vansh Shalom and Adin is not overriding Torah, it's fulfilling Torah. It's not an example of suspension of the law. Right? It's right, nobody ever thought that the law would prevent Beitin from punishing people physically when needed to educate the population. Yeah, but fools don't learn, so there's no point. Yeah, ask Michelin. Okay. Okay. This is the Ode Kash. Next time we ask a second question, presumably a second question on the claim, we'll see if that's true, that Makin Valentin Shalom Adin is a viable attempt to prove Yeshkoch Be'achan Lakwa Darvna Torah before we answer Migdar Milsa. Okay, that's the thing you have to hold in your head, right? That's what that's that's where we are. We're, right, the opening line is there's a Gemara which says we prove the general power of the Makadovna Kumase from Makin Dantra Tom and Adin, right? And then right, and then we reject it on the grounds of Midar Nilsa Shani, but until we say Midar Nilsa, we think it's a good proof, it's not really a good proof. Okay, yes. Okay, so the, the logic we have so far, the Gemara begins by saying, since Vatin can punish people not for violating the law. Therefore, Beitin can't do anything or can authorize anybody to do anything. Right, so he's, right, and then the Gemara says, no, Beitin can't really authorize anyone to do anything unless it's Mikdar Milsa. So before the Gemara gave the answer to Mikdar Milsa, the Gemara thought it was a good proof that the capacity of Beitin to punish for things other than violation of the law right, is a really good example of Beitin having the power to tell people to do anything. So he says, no, that's wrong. But actually, it doesn't do anything, right? His first thing is that that's wrong because the fact that Beitin can punish people, right, can punish people not for violating the law, it's, not. it's just not Chazal, right? So, right, so now, now, he's asking, now he says, the old kashas, the simple way of saying is, here's another problem with that Gemara, another problem with your attempt to prove. Yeah, right? Well, maybe it'll, it'll be on a different part of the Gemara. Okay, so he says, the old kasha, but so this kasha, he says, no, this kasha, this kasha is on the answer, not on the, right, not on the question. Okay. So the, the Ramam says that's only for Horas Shah of Alola Takain Ladura. Right. So the Ramam says that Migdar Milsa only allows things that are um, ephemeral. Right. Uh, right. Shah. Right. Now, obviously, there's a vast space in between ephemeral and permanent. Right. But Barbara, right, there's some there's some line between. Transient, right? Transient. There's some line between transient and permanent. And the Ramam says that Migdar Milsa only allows transient violations and not, right? And not doesn't allow you to embed the violation as permanent law. That would be right. That would be right. That would be right. That's the Yerushalmi. Yerushalmi says Shah Achat. Okay, about it. About right. Okay, right. Okay, so that works. But that was, first of all, that's passive, not active, right? This is only a limitation on active 
act, active violations. Um, the question is, why are we still writing down to our should be to our, to our spell pack? <laughs> uh, interesting issue, right? Whether, whether writing computers counts as writing down to our spell pad, maybe that, so we don't need to anymore. Maybe it should be us or now to write down to our uh, write to right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> okay. This Sam Sofer says that um, that it's only that uh, it's only much lishma, and therefore writing down Torah Shabbat is actually still usher to learn Torah lishma. Very hard thing to um, to figure out how yeah, how that works. Okay. Um, so the Ram says, and his only right, his example of this is right, is riding the horse on Shabbos. Right, they didn't make it law. They didn't say everybody, everybody from now on who rides a horse on Shabbos, uh, right, should get executed. Okay, now again, if you look at the Book of Jubilees, it does have capital punishment for it. Um, that's a whole question about what the whole categories mean. But let's we're, we're in in the internal internal Talmudic history. Um, okay. So he says, okay, right, so, so that, oh, he says, if that's the case, what about regular makot for dirabonans? Right, we, right, so now we have three categories. We have makin, we have, we have who get three from dirosa. That's punishment about the past. Okay, wait, right, we understand that, right, that's, right, that's not, that's a, that's a separate category, because the Torah said, you have to do this, and that's punishment of the past. Then there is punishment for things which are not law. Right, and those are always about those are those are those are about the future. We have asked, what about punishment for rabbinic law? Is punishment for rabbinic law a violation of the Torah? Or not? Where does the Torah say that right? Now he says so he assumes at this stage that punishment for rabbinic law is an example of is the same phenomenon as Machinvon Shin Shalom and Adin. Because there's no right, that's where we get back to your question. It's not Torah law. And the Torah doesn't say this, then why is it okay? So what must it be okay? It must be that it's only okay because it has a good effect. So you just said the major milsa is only is only temporary, and the punishments for rabbinic laws are permanent. So right, so the Gemara's answer, well, the, the Gemara says in the end that Maki Vonshin Shalom and Hadin is only permitted with the major milsa, and the major milsa means only temporarily. And Maki Vonshin Shalom and Hadin really includes punishment for Durabanan. Because Shalom and because it's really Shalom and Torah, and not Shalom and so then the Gemara's answer doesn't work. Okay, so now neither the question nor the answer of the Gemara works. Right, the question doesn't work because you shouldn't be able to get to Makin Dunch and Shalom and to a general principle that 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 the Beit has a, has a right to power Torah, and the answer doesn't work because uh, because it doesn't help you. It doesn't help explain how they can be Makin Dunch and Shalom and Torah. Because that's permanent rules, and you just said that you can't. That Beit doesn't have the authority to do chavola on people, except in the moment. That makes sense, Rina. Um, I mean, I think it makes sense, but like, I think that's Okay, so I should read it inside. Uh, okay, so Pirish, right? So the old Kashi Bahada Mashani Major Nilsa Shani. So we have a problem when the Gemara says that the reason we don't derive the general power of the rabbis from Makin Vajra Shalom is because no, that power is limited to Major Nilsa. 
Right? Why? Because the Ramam explains it has to be temporary, right? Just in all cases of Marduz, but right, so that would leave us with a question still from uh from Makos Marduz, which is Makos for Drabanans, she takanak there's a general principle, right, that all the Rabbanans get Makas Mardus. How do the rabbis have the authority to do that? That should be Chabala, and it's permanent. So why is that okay? Um, okay, the aim is that they shouldn't So the only way, right, so, so let's see if I'm reading, if we can read it, if I'm reading it correctly. The aim is that they shouldn't like curious over in Torah. I guess I read this right or did it wrong? It was very clever. Maybe it wasn't very well said. So let's read it inside, right? The Kati takes the Rebbeinu's Mardus. The Rebbeinu's Mardus, which is the Rebbeinu's, is to kind of kavua. She called the Rebbeinu's Mardus the Rebbeinu's Mardus. And the end is in Mishum Akiras Tavim in the Torah. And as it's kavua, and yet it's not Akiras Tavim in the Torah. So why? Why isn't wait, so? Um, so why isn't Akira seven in Torah? That's because it at least has to be within Harav Rudas Talmidim. If it weren't within Harav Rudas Talmidim, it shouldn't be permitted. So it must be the only reason it's permitted is because of Harav Rudas Talmidim. So yes, the question ends up in the wrong place. Right? We should end up saying we should end up saying that it's usher to do Makos Mardos, and he doesn't end up saying it's usher to do Makos Mardos. He ends up saying that Makos Mardos must be. Um, no, I think he ends up saying that Makot Marduk doesn't fall, as in like Migdar Milta is the thing that I can only do for like Harat Sha'ah, not like Sakhanador Roads. But that Makot Marduk, I think he's saying like falls under the category of like the Rav or um, or the father. And so it's not even like it, like he had said earlier, you wouldn't, the Migdar Milta wouldn't even apply to Makot Marduk. Right, but why is that a question? Why is that a problem? There's a problem with that. Shouldn't even ask the question. Ah, okay. So he was reading it saying, you have another pass on the answer in Migdar Milsa Shani, because Migdar Milsa, Migdar Milsa Shani isn't enough, because that wouldn't explain Marcus Mardus. So the only way you're going to explain Marcus Mardus is by saying, uh, since Midar Milsa is only for Arashah, therefore Midar Milsa can't explain Makas Mardus. And since Midar Milsa, therefore the only way you can explain Makas Mardus is by claiming that it's educational. And if it's educational, then you go back to saying you couldn't make, you couldn't bring your proof. That, right. Uh, I, think, I think the main thing was just that, like, we have Makas Mardus, and that's like proof that, like, Makas Mardus, we say, are is not like this. Um, you wouldn't use right the the tay roots of migdar milta because it wouldn't it wouldn't work slash it isn't necessary and so it's still just part of his general kushia of why does the gemara need the tay roots of migdar milta? Okay, you're, I think you're saying the same thing as Yuda, and I, I will. It's not. I feel like I'm I, like there's a there's a beauty that I'm missing, but I think the content is the same. I think Rina's question was right. I'm not um, okay, good. I don't mean that. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I'm not reading from you. That's fine. Uh, okay. Um, 
Language, right? You know, you, it was the bright. The problem with the brightness is not the ocean and should say right. Mimisin, right? And the bright is you can say, well, that's not their fault. The bright doesn't say not the ocean, and it talks about execution. So, right? So, well, it's not my fault. The bright didn't say that. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, yeah, I don't dispose of remote comments that easily. Only a lot. We don't let doctors. We don't let children take the chance. We, we also 
maybe doctors are different. Interesting. That's a good. That's true. Maybe there's no such phenomenon as doctorate. There's no licensed doctors yet. Okay, good. You're right. Entirely right. Uh, I don't know. I went, you know, I, I had uh, surgery on several cysts. No. <laughs> okay, it's my only experience. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe. I mean, again, the, the issue is the, the Dilma is what, right, is what causes problems in the Suga because it should, right, because if, if the actual medical procedure is wounding per se, right, so that's right. So we're going to have to claim right after that it means that they. It's mutual with Sarah, with Sarah, it's called Rafua. And the only issue is we're afraid you'll go a little bit further. Uh, but then, of course, that's the marginal question. What happens if they get, if best medical practice is to go a little bit further because, right, it's better, it's better to go. Um, maybe. Um, okay. So, um, came in the in the So Rabbanan says, right now I don't understand, right, since he still has not in any way distinguished Kavana and outcome, right? He's saying it as equivalent. So then why should there be if there shouldn't be any possibility of a shigiga if we define the action by your intent? A shigiga means I did something which I shouldn't, I did something by accident. But here if we claim that all th- if we claim that all things done for po- with positive intent and positive outcomes, let's write, right, are, well, here, are um, but any positive intent is enough, right? Well, you're right to conflate that with outcome. If all things are not actually Chavala, so then you can't, there can't be any Shogun. So if you're not committing Chavala to Shogun, you just claim it wasn't Chavala. Okay. Um, the answer is, right, maybe, right, that. That it becomes it becomes shogig at the point that you that it's no that it's no longer necessary. Right, right, so right, so it's not just kavana; it has to be right, kavana in some way has to relate to effect. Again, it's, it's not quite the same as effect because it could be that we're assuming that your intent is to cut the one and a quarter inches that are necessary. So when you cut one and a, one and two thirds inches, right? That extra that that extra you know whatever extra inch. Right, that's not actually, you didn't intend to do it, so it's not really a mm-hmm. Right, and we're not talking about a medical error about how much you had to cut, we're talking about a physical error as to how much you actually, as to how much you, you actually cut. All right. Okay, I'm gonna leave that one a bit. Okay. So it sounds like the close to Ramban. It sounds like that. Uh, we prefer having someone else do it to your son, but that if it has to be done, we'll let, your, we'll let the child do it as well. I'm not required to do it. That's the realm of also. Um, fine. Um, okay. So, yeah, right. So, right. So, this this was an attempt to, this is an attempt to disprove, right? This is an attempt to disprove the states that the things which are done for positive purposes are not Sabala, because here they're going to call the Shigigas Sabala. 
The answer is no. Things that are done for purposes are not tavola, but things that are but things that are done that are not right, accidentally, not for, not for a few purposes. Are not that's, what, that's what that whole digression is, is about. I have right? to head out, so I will be okay. Um, is the recording on? Okay. So um, right. So the um, right where we were supposed to. Um, so the um, okay. So the right. So, right, so he's. This was of a possible challenge to his broad thesis that Chavola is only defined as Chavola if it doesn't have the right, the right, the right constructive Because Nidui is just a is just a rabbinic expansion of Sota. That's a very, very big rabbinic expansion of Sota. Um, right? So this is not a very compelling answer. Um, right, but Tosfosin. Right. So let's watch what he says is he has a he has a very broad thesis. His broad thesis is that Kabbalah is not Kabbalah if it's done for constructive purpose. Um, now, now he says now, he brings an interesting proof. He says, "What about right? If, you, if that's true about um, about um, hurting people physically, it should also be true about cursing." And yet, Tosfos, confronted by this problem, doesn't say that when you put someone in Nido, you're not violating the prohibition. Right? What Tosfos says is, "No, that's different. Right? That's different because you learn from Sota." That right, that that um, rabbis have the power to curse, and therefore it would not be a good example at all of rabbis having unlimited power. Okay, so here he gets to his completely different. Right, so he says, "I grant that Tosos gives that answer, and that and Tosos giving that answer is really problematic for me." But here's what I would say. It's problematic for its expansion, but what you could say, right, which I will say, right, regardless of your words, not, <laughs> is, is that um, in his mind, it was never about Kabbalah at all. He has no psukim about Kabbalah, right? Just like he went from Av and Ben to Beitin and Kabbalah, he also thinks that Kabbalah is just an example of a broader category that is intuitive. So he's puzzled by Tosh. Feeling compelled to give this answer. Why? It says, All interpersonal mitzvot, I would have said, are, all, are defined by some combination of intent and outcome. There are no deontological prohibitions against, against doing things to other people. No provision, right? Regardless of consequences. Um, so, right, the prohibition you know, hate your brother, but that's only true if you are pointlessly. Right? Obligated to, to hate sinners. How wide is his conception? 
Uh, uh, interesting question. I don't know. Who says this? Is, this is, uh, I don't think he means it. Okay. It's correct. Is that every time God bans doing something someone else is only because? But that's not. But I don't know. Well, find a case in which you murder somebody without uh, well, harming them. Right, maybe maybe takes your stuff too. I don't know. Maybe 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 there's just too obvious about them mentioning that. Of course, you can steal stuff when your intention is only for their good. Can't, can't. Right? Can you hold back the person's gun? Uh, it is true that the teachers can confiscate, right? It's an old issue, it's not just a, not just a new issue. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Um, so he said, right, he thinks that right, that is his wild thesis, right? But it can't be because he because he, he's not an object of hate, right? and that's why it's related because right because you can right this is not a person you can't hate because Gemara says unless it were because over love and love. Right, so you can hate the person and still violate the assert. Right, so it must be that it's not a din in the in the hate It's a din in the hate. It's worth to hate somebody for the right reason. Perhaps you can get the Ray Lamb's uh, thesis that there can be a misfit of both hate and love the same person simultaneously. So you're only supposed to hate this. Not supposed to hate the sin, not the sinner. But you're only supposed to hate the, sin, the aspect of the sinner that is sinning. All right, so Rabbi Lam argued that the field of Sanos does not mean the list of the Haftal Rafik of Okay. This is a big thing. Rabbi Rama says that even Chaval is only Mater. So Derek Nitzayan is a very hard thing to translate. Um, but it really says questions like, for example, are you allowed to play football with somebody? Uh, or box, right? Can you box? Right? It's like when the Ramah is not necessarily to box, perhaps, because right? Because that's maybe that's not the kind of thing that's there in or maybe it's exactly there in Siyam because you right, you got there, but you try right? They're truly doing it to try it, right? Right? So you do it, uh, right? So right? That's the whole. But like you know, can sorry, Chavala requires wounding, right? But um, can you, uh, you know, can you? Um, I guess part of the question is self Kabbalah, right? So can you cut your finger to you know, to make blood brothers, right? There are two of us about that. Right, right. So I said, said foot, football. Have... 
Could be. Or it's fun. Uh, okay. It's not Seraphim. Whatever the Seraphim Tayon means, right? Right. Maybe maybe it means in a in a mode of antagonism. And as long as right, and as long as you're you're both engaged in this activity, um, right? No, but the problem is it has. But look at what Nitayon means. But generally, like Nitayon seems to mean like some. In, it's only us if you're doing it in some way, which is, I guess I like to like you're just establishing power over the other person. That's why boxing is a complicated thing for engaging in a, in a, you know, in a consensual activity that nonetheless is about establishing power. About martial arts. Uh -huh. Interesting. I said I'd be a good person to ask that because you have an understanding of what you were asking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know if I would, you know, I guess, I don't know. I'd start more worried about the bowing to the sense. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I know. He has, he has interesting issues about that. Yeah. Is this rabbi like also doing a massage? I don't know. I did not know what I'm doing. There's a previous rabbi of this. Oh, yeah. okay. This show? This show. Yeah. That's fascinating. Oh, rabbi. Fascinating. Okay. Yes. I did. I did. But also, uh, <laughs> I also a wonderful philosopher, academic, right? That's still the thing on Isaac Ball, right? still him. And also a wonderful reader. Uh, it was marvelous structure at our house. Uh, it's a nice stream. Uh, uh, I don't, you know, I, I have a little bit of it. Not like he really knew it so much better than I did. Uh, it was really, really beautiful. It was really one of his best. Uh, hey, okay. Um, I like those better. Uh, okay. Um, okay. So now. So he thinks Rahman gets that by analogy to Trizan, right? He thinks the same way he got it, he got baked in from that. He thinks the Rambam got it, right? Got it, got it from the exception. Absolutely. Remember, it's not I don't think so. I think it's pretty clear
Okay, I, I think you had a question about uh, you had a question about uh, the absence of uh, I'm just not sure that it's too obvious. For, uh, right. Uh, are there obvious hetero? Are there obvious hetero? Where you want to take people stuff for their own good? Right. So the kind of thing is why why you burn down. I mean, I won't be great. And the question is, the question is whether you know whether you think hefker based in hefker right follows intuitively. I think I think it's a good question. I don't have an answer. Okay. Um, the chain. Uh, but that was very specific. How do you see the second turn and the second and now after? Yeah, because in the Gemara is after. Right, you're right. I shouldn't have the. I shouldn't have the. Uh, but I think he's asking. He's asking. But he's asking. Sorry, the question might be outside the. Should be outside the course. Right. What about the Gemara there, which says after? So why should there be a shigias love if he's right? Because it's just an example of being of, the, of not being of not being chavala. So the answer is because that's just the pumid rabbanon. Right, that case, right? We get rid of that case in the end completely. And so just sometimes we also think you aren't chavala. They don't even give you makos for them. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Otherwise, nobody would take uh, orphaned apprentices. The
right? He would do it again if I didn't do it to him. Next time he'll next time he's gonna he's gonna pick on somebody who really would beat him up. So right, so it's a necessary deterrent, right? All sorts of ways in which so in what sense is it law? So is is it law if it right, if we tell you that you have to decide whether it's worth it? If you ask me, are you allowed to do the right? Right, say you at, right, you're at say you're in a situation right, where there's and you're and we, and we tell right, you want to know what should I do? Should I do this or should I not do this? So the correct answer is it depends on the choice. Just like the Russian horror, right? The Palestinian tells you have to go through your step, step process. Right? How great is the damage? How right? How great? Right? How how bad? How bad it relative? How how what the relative damage caused by the Russian horror relative to the relative to the damage caused by not, not by the Russian horror? Um, is there another way of accomplishing the same goal? Are my right? Are, are my motives such that I can make an effective decision? So those things which we teach you about Russian horror, they right? The um, the repellent says the same category, same calculation we made about punching somebody in the nose. So is, it, so is it really law, right? This is it really law if ultimately the action, like what to do, is always dependent on consequences? Uh, right now, I'm only debating Rav Hanan. Rav Hanan makes a claim, and you can decide that, right? We get all the ways in which we claim that this is an overbroad claim. There is a way to translate it into law. The way to translate it into law is to say, we can ask the title. And then, right, it's not your decision anymore. Now it's the law's decision. But if we, right, but if you say that, that in many of these cases, we just leave it right, is it wrong to punch somebody in the nose? Only when it's not worth it. Well, that's true of everything in life, right? It's only when it's not worth it. So now, what does it law mean? So nobody does have one principle. Why? What else? How do you measure whether it's worth it or not? Okay, so you want to do is you want to do is you want to create the regulations. Right? The truth is that there's a prohibition against certain actions are permitted, and certain actions are permitted only if they're worth it. And then the way about the world. And then are forbidden. What's the difference between if it's toilet and it's worth it? So I punch you in the nose because somebody gave me five cents. Why isn't it positive? I want five cents. I like money. It's good for me to have money. It's worth my family to miss it. But isn't the decision going to be going to be relative to the act? You think so? You think the right that because if it's objective, then really any right, five cents is worth it. Real money, ten dollars, right? Now, for ten dollars, I can do. I, I can buy the Rabbanos on Shabbos, perhaps in circumstances where it's really important to me to, right, to, to to support my family. Right, Rama says that right that, that getting parnasa is a mitzvah. So why can't I? Right. So somebody offers to support my family for life if I punch someone else in the nose. What could be more literal? Yeah. 
Aha. So you think you think in the end that not is more deserved to us for the person or for society. Or for society. That's true. There are many, many things that. <laughs> right. So, so the answer, you know, he doesn't say for the right. Does, where does, So what I want to argue. Uh, interesting question, right? Maybe it's Well, maybe 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 it's a teacher. Maybe it's a teacher, right? Because he's he's hated. He's like the YouTuber. When you 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 you're not helping the you're helping society, right? But you know you right by saying those people who are spreading who are spreading are bad people. That doesn't help them. Malachlogi doesn't mean arguing people. It means people who are trying to create a people in society and you've been by It's better for everybody. Right. It's not better for them. Oh, them too, because they because right, because they mistakenly believe that dissension is good and they get enjoyment out of it. But in the end, they're right, they'll be in a civil war and they'll all be dead. So mm-hmm. you're helping them. Uh, right. That kind of argument, you know, can be extended in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Okay, so I, right, what, I, what I want to argue, right, we can, you know, what I want to argue is that um, what we're essentially doing is what, what if you really took Rebbe Khan at his word, and that was, and that was where Halakha was, we wouldn't really have something we recognize as law. We would just have people going around making decisions based on very, very broad, a very, very broad principles. Always great, always do things that benefit people in society rather than harm them. And the fact that the Torah says it's us, that would tell us some things we should be a little bit more careful about when making that calculation or not. It includes cursing, hating, speaking of love, and beating up. Could be. 
But again, so well, what, what I think, what, what I'm trying to argue is that what, you're, what you have is a, and this is, this is a non-evaluative, right? you have a drive towards law. Right? You want to take this and say, it's not enough for the address to tell me what, right, what the basis for my decision is. In some way, some of the decision is, and that's too big. Right, so I agree with you. But I think that you have to, but if you the one is right, and you realize that this is a choice, Right, because all the Torah says on this, and then we make decisions, right? That wouldn't be good enough. So we have a we create a, a web of what I'm calling regulation. Because that's right, and then we can then we have to say, okay, so those regulations have the force of federal law, maybe. Right, maybe that's a choice to make on a direct level, right? That's, but I want to point out is that it's not the way he understands what the Torah is saying, it doesn't it doesn't directly translate into that. Right, you can you can look at the psukim and say that's not what the Torah just says. That you have to have these calculations, and then Chazal sit and say, "But hang on a second. If we just tell you that, then so we're going to concretize that, and we're going to concretize that and claim not that we're making drabanas. We're going to concretize that and say that the Torah the Torah is now embedded in this. Right. So I'm open to that. But I think it's a very radical it's a very radical claim. And then the big argument I'm trying to make, which is so now, do we make that same choice everywhere? Maybe for other areas of Torah that are less, that are less likely. Maybe we only make it about some of the right? So maybe, for example, right, and this is essentially fifty what you'll read in the ground. Maybe we we spent a thousand years not making that move by Lashon Hara, and then the Chavos Chaim came along and said, "Hang on a sec, this doesn't tell people how to speak. It just creates it right, just creates a general sense, and it's not working." People are gossiping left and right. So we need laws, right? And then this is what you know we call halachification. So then the question, but is he right? Did it work? Did his thing work? Did it actually make things better? Uh, right, if he was right about that, so now we're going to talk about privacy. Right? Do we want to? Right? Do we want to concretize this is right, something around a right to privacy prohibition against on privacy? Or do we want to say no? Privacy is a value. It should only be violated for things that are worth violating privacy for. What are the things that are worth violating privacy for? I don't know. I'll give you, a, you know, a couple of examples. And you're ready, and then you'll live your life based on based on generalizing those examples. And you know what? You live in different you live your life differently than I live my life. And I might look down on you, I might like right, I might look up at you, right? Both of those are possibilities. But that's enough. The question isn't whether Right. And might be, right, again, because it might be. So, you know, I will say by Sue's drama. Um, yes, I have self justifying stories with the, with the, uh, the Stills of Sharm, right? The introduction where he says some things that, even though they're obvious, you have to say them over and over again. Right, so, uh, right, I learned from Ravami Tal's Leviathan that it's worth saying some things over and over again. Who knows? You'll probably hear this from me. But the Ramam talks about um, the 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 um, the Chacham and the Chassid. Uh, Chachamim are all alike. Uh, they all they all they all they all do the Derech Hamimutzah. They all walk the middle path, and they all end up right. They all end up with roughly identical balances. But Chassidim are all are all different. Chassidim are all extremes, and they have to balance those extremes. So I think that this but this society is supposed to have. And we're not all supposed to be Chachamim. And so it could be that different people are supposed to live. 
like supposed to balance that balance mm -hmm. it on the side of this and the, and some people are supposed to balance it on the side of that and then one of the and so in a sense right making something into law is right, is basically it's turning everybody into a ha -ha. so we can choose well this thing everyone has to do okay so we can choose to say you know what as opposed to setting a really detailed law by writing the full shmir Hashem, i'm just going to write you're know, going to say you know what what, you, what it's clear is you cannot ever uh, you know, um I don't know what would be the most horrible thing you could say about somebody uh, you know, that uh, doesn't have that the other obvious consequences of this. I don't know, whatever it is, right? There's certain you can't say this about somebody no matter what. Okay, right, right, just write that. Here are the five things you can't say about people. Either they're true, right? But you know, but it's uh, right. You can't you can't want to walk around telling people that so and so kicks the puppy, right? Because that just utterly destroys the reputation of when I was kicking puppies in the world. And right, and it, and, and okay, so you protect the puppy, but we don't care about puppies enough, right? We're willing to let the poor puppies suffer, right? It's not worth destroying someone's reputation, right? And it's the same thing. Right? We can set that as a law, right? We can tell that that was terribly wrong. You wouldn't set that law at all, right? You would say you, you write the law the other way around, right? That the one thing you can't tell it, right? And there's no issue or whatever is you can always report their mistreatment of animals. So I, I'm I'm with you. So you know there are people who run you know certain kinds of balances, but I I share your intuition that it, right that that it's it's a mistake to codify everything in these areas because actually it's not societally necessary for people to be different. And at the same time, I you know I think that Tani's right about a lot of it, right? But you know at some point it stops doing anything for you if you don't right if you don't codify it all. So the challenge, right? This is part of what I've tried to show in the summer, right? So generally, is that the decision to make is not what is the law. The first decision you have to make is should there be law? You just leave it, right? And you could say there's nothing to say because it's much of a tool. Right? You could just say, right, then you could say the whole summer is wasted, right? If it's just much of a tool, right? There's nothing to say. Or you could say, no, our job at the end of it is we have to define it so that everybody knows exactly what they can do. Or right, your task is to right, one of your tasks is to figure out which are the things that you should that you should right. You want to try to write down it persuasively and right and say everybody should engage in this common standard. But you can do either because it's objectively right and wrong, or you can do because the social consequences of everyone of everyone treating it as law are better than the consequences of making their own mind up. And it's not the same argument, right? Right. So that's what that's what I want to show, right? Is that the task of being a being a pussy. It's often about that. It's not about, it's not, it's not just saying there is a law. I mean, it's about what the law is. Right? The first question you have to ask is should there be law in that sense? Christina, the reason not to say is because like the Torah is different or because like people might So there I would think there are at least three different arguments for it. One is the toilet might be different for different people. That's why I articulated now. One is the because different people, you know, like some people's character, you know, the strengths of their neshama are brought out by non-judgmental sin, and right, and so, right, and, and right, and they and you need to tell them they don't have to be it's not going to work. And other people's right, their strength is brought out by you know, the righteous, 
righteous indignation at, at injustice. Mm -hmm. And so you need a society with those kinds of people. Right, and that's privacy. and that's privacy is a really important thing, right? Is how how you right how you balance that. And, you know, how is it that people find out that's why the their emotion is relevant? Uh, right, they're going to we're going to do right. So what? How do you balance the that there is a purpose in society of every of people knowing when people are doing things wrong, right? And on the other hand, there's a purpose in right. Right. So one possibility is that is that is that different characters. Another possibility is that we don't have faith. That will make the decision better uh, than most people. All we're going to do is, right, like, you know, there's a 50% chance, right? Let's say there, let's say there are three possible decisions that each have equal odds. So, right, so whatever, right, the Rahab is going to be Kavea, which everyone is a 34, you know, gets a plurality now. But we understand that it's not more likely that our 34, that the plurality we have now is, is isn't it, right? We, just, we know this is one of those things. Yeah, right, we know that lots of people disagree. And so if we had to make a decision, this is a decision we'd have to make. It was the only decision we can make with integrity. But if you ask me, there are lots of decisions you know, that I make because like the only way I can make it. But if you ask me, do I think that I do better than random? Right. Or right, why should I impose it on people? Because I don't know that I'm right. Right? There's, you might realize, well, you know, they're different, right? Um, and the third possibility, which is the more radical one, is that there is an intrinsic value to letting people make their own decisions. Autonomy is a value. And so the first one is that different decisions are, there are different decisions that are right for people. Second is no, everybody, the, the same decision is right for everybody, but it's really important that you get to make the decision. And so there, there's a bias against, right, that you know, all things being equal, I will let you make the decision rather than make it for you. Because that's better for you. Right. Right. So that's right. You know, so one like the extreme version of the saying is that one version, the extreme, the, the the strong version of what I'm saying now is that yeah, so the really strong version of say, right? That is um is the is what I understand the way I understand it. Is that autonomy is the fundamental autonomy and freedom are the fundamental goods of humanity. They're the fundamental ways in which human beings are going to take Therefore, any imposition of authority is a video. All right, that's, I don't. I think the Rebbe is a, is, is a radical machadish in saying that, not you know, not not uh, uncoincidentally, because it's right. One of his big points is that creativity and autonomy are are intrinsically connected. Um, but if I took that position, right, I took that position. So then, right, so then you have, you have to justify it. I mean, this is you know, what we call a libertarian position. Yeah, right, a, a spirit, spiritual libertarian. Right here, I should confess I wrote the introduction to uh, right. to Alan Christie's book on uh, political libertarianism uh, in the preface. Um, but yeah, so I think you take that position, which I don't think it's. I think the rub is the part, you know, far away the most explicit articulator, uh, articulator of that position. But I don't think it's hard to find it all the way through. Um, right, Amen, Horn, Elamite, right, so all, all those examples, right, where Torah is supposed to bring freedom. Um, about you know, and and you know, there's all the stuff in Hasidic, but you can decide how much you're convinced. Only the secondary sources the way I do. Uh, <laughs> mostly, 
uh, the path beyond path, the pathlessness beyond the path in resonant way. In resonant way. Um, so yeah, these eight definitions, right? So then you have to you have to justify every uh, every, every decision, every decision to make something law in the way that somebody has to somebody has to submit to an authority outside themselves is a sacrament. So yeah, I could just um, tell you know, So that's the paternalistic then, response. Yeah, too. I mean, I would just say, like, there are, even individually, like, for each individual, has to be really, everybody would have to be really honest right. with themselves, like, sure. which is not necessarily something yeah. that everybody but does. It's not just paternalistic. Yeah. What's a paternalist? She, she's not. What? Oh. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's like that. Prepare, but also for yourself. I mean, it's for right. both. I mean, you really must be like, are you? Sometimes people are also not self aware. So, what if you're like, yeah, I'm hitting this person, I'm beating them up because, like, this is like very good for them, but really, there's like a lot of anger inside. <laughs> well, you can make it look stronger theologically, right? If you, if you could say that, you know, which I think is a reasonable set of bridges, that the, um, that, you know, that despite eating whatever the atheist does, right, is what gives you a being independent. No. Right, but that's and that's what that's what the this is, and the goal is to get back to the condition where the, right, where you're not fallen, and the only standard you have is what is God wants. And the best way to do that is to have a system which tells you with accurate, with maximum accuracy what God wants, and that's what the whole thing is to tell you as much detail as possible what the right thing to do is. And your goal is to suppress the error of God. Right, that's also a theological vision of Judaism. That goal would be that your whole goal is to, you know, what is called panhawkism, right? That your goal should be to make every decision boil down to, will I listen to God or not? And I have to think about whether it's true or not. Whether, it's, whether this is the right thing to do or not, whether this is the right thing to do or not is a distraction from the ultimate question, which is should I do, right? should I listen to God's will or not? And so, well, you know, the goal of the goal of my What do you mean? Right. So, right. So that argument is right. So everything that I just set out before is a distraction, and but it really is, you know, is you know, what I'm doing is feeding it to us. Um, right. And that's right. And your goal should be to reject this utterly. And right. And to right. If you were, you know, if you were engaged in the autonomous practice, of like Yeshiva, right. The goal is to write that the Russell bit to Hakshana, so that nobody afterwards will be suffered suffer from the same destruction distractions you did. And they can just say, look, this is what God wants. So I want to do it. Yeah, so I think like my personal opinion is just like not my like my but like me, like I, I know I'm also like a lot of times I'm just like, oh well Bob Shirabi thinks this, oh really? And my dad thinks this. But I'm a lot of people I think that's just like, well Bob Shirabi 
Okay, it's like off topic, but like I'm not gonna research the whole entire I'm a question again, Yeah, I mean whether the law is really would agree there is a whole whole separate question. Um which come out, you know, which which then I you know I have different I guess about friends in many ways. Yeah. but I agree with you. I'm not Right. Right. Okay, I'll take time. Hopefully, I'll learn this one. Right now, I need to find which one I still have. Yeah, neither can I. Okay. Good, right? So, of course, that requires you to leave space for the economy. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, in this case. <laughs> right. So, but, but, okay. Yeah. So, what do you do with the guys? Uh, well, when I was growing up, they told me it's over in the first and things to grow. Now, I realized. Rabbi, I should have been here. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, that is uh, I just heard that was a talk. I was saying, I'm still thinking, sorry, that probably is this for a sweatshirt. I bet that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, look, you know, I, I try, I try to be, <laughs> I try to be transparent. Um, uh, you know, I think um, the number of extreme vigilantes among my students in past years is, I guess, disappointingly low for those. <laughs> 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 Uh, right, so that's one of the things that, you know, that 
hopefully people left before they come new they come to lynch me. Um, I learned the mistake that I wrote outro. 